0: Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, It's not often that my husband reads an article and tells me, um, you got to read this, um, especially from Jewish newspapers. No offense to Jewish newspapers, but um, I don't know. Normally that doesn't happen. But this past Shabbos, um, he picked up the New Jersey Jewish link and he's like, you got to read this story. And he told me about it before I read it. He kind of spoiled it first, but it was great. It was great both ways, both the, the written form and the um, reading it myself, uh, sorry, the, the oral form and then reading it myself. Um, it really had all of the um, ingredients that um, is the kind of content we love to feature here at Jew in the City. Um, it was about an Orthodox Jew who um, did something kind. Um, it was about an Orthodox Jew who you know was athletic, maybe kind of stereotype-defying. Um, and then it had this sort of cool like twist um, that kind of leaves you feeling inspired like you know maybe everything in life has a plan and a place if you ever feel maybe cynical or you doubt such a thing Um, and I reached out to the uh, man who the article was about because um, we're super excited to uh, share this information with you as well. So today I have with you the hero of the story um, and I guess hero and then also sort of a piece of a larger puzzle because the story ultimately becomes about um, a puzzle that you'll understand soon. Um, His name is Akiva Pudel. He is in his last year at Bari Lawn, grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, He was was an EMT in high school, continues to be one today, applying to med school. Um, Akiva, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Okay, so I already established sort of the background. You grew up in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, grew up modern orthodox. Um, I guess let's, um, because I feel like we have a lot to cover here in uh, 28 minutes, let's get right to the story. You were running a marathon, tell us the year, tell us the place, tell us what happened when your uh, first aid EMT skills had to come out.
1: Of course. Uh, So 2014, I was a senior in high school um, and you know, for the last couple of years, um, I went to MTA, and MTA had a uh, you know through the hockey team, we as a team wanted to do some you know a chesed and do do something kind, um, but also you know try to stay keep everybody in shape. So we raised money for High Lifeline, you know, for kids with cancer and other terminal illness, and we were going to run in the Miami Half Marathon. Um, so I'd done that my junior year, so my senior year I expected, to be very much the same. Uh, so we got to Miami, you know. We started the race and i'm running it was a particularly humid hot day about you know three quarters of the way through about mile nine and i hear someone says you know someone fell and i said okay you know it's a hot day very humid so someone probably got dehydrated not a problem but something in the back of my mind said like you've got to look so i turned around and looked and i saw a guy laying uh in the street and hmm. to my surprise people uh, were really just looking um and then uh, i i had to approach it so i turned around ran back and assessed that it was something a little bit more serious than someone who was just a little dehydrated um
0: this was a fellow marathoner the guy was also running
1: this guy was just running it, it wasn't okay. part of you know high line team this was there were thousands of people running this race um so you know checked the, the guy was not breathing he didn't have a pulse um, i immediately asked for um you know, whatever medical equipment they had. They happened to have a defibrillator nearby with the marathon staff. They provided me with everything I needed. They, you know, the police department showed up very quickly. Um, we ended up doing a round of CPR, delivering a, a, you know, automatic shock and the guy ended up coming through. Um, mm. The ambulance came, took him back and I finished the race. Uh, and a guy came out to me saying, by the way, you know, you just saved that guy's life. Mm. I had no idea. I just continued running because to me it was... At the time, it, it it was just another call, one of the thousands I've been on. So it, to me, it had no real impact or meaning at the time.
0: And how old were you, remind me, and how old was the man approximately?
1: man was probably in his, uh, in his mid-50s, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a senior in high school, so I was probably 17 or so. Mm-hmm.
0: And any like fear and intimidation of kind of, I mean, you were a kid at the time kind of coming in and doing this kind of work. You don't have your squad with you here in the middle of a marathon, any hesitation or.
1: No, no, the truth is not, not at all. Uh, at a time when you go down there and, and your, your mind and your training sort of kicks in and it becomes second nature. And you just go through the progressions and all the things you're taught all the, you know, CPR algorithms or all the things that you're taught throughout your training. And, you know, at the time I'd been doing this for about three years now. Um, and th- those all just kicked in and just uh, being able to manage the situation. And even at a young age, but I think that's one of the things that um, I really loved about it, that even at a young age, I was able to take, you know, a, an emergency and really bring down the energy level and, and take care of the situation as needed to make sure, you know, everything's done right.
0: Hmm. So you, that was mile 9 and then how much more of your marathon did you have to do after that?
1: It's about it's 13.1. Oh
0: and and any like trouble uh finishing the the rest of the run after you've done something so stressful or overwhelming? Uh it definitely cramped
1: up <laughs> towards <laughs> towards the end cuz you're not supposed to stop. Mm-hmm. Um but um you know we finished. we finished. We finished and I I really forgot about it and, uh, until you know until a little bit later where and a few months later where I got the phone
0: call. So tell us about the phone call. What happened a few months later?
1: A few months later, I get a phone call uh, from a Florida number and guy says to me, is this Kiva." I said, yeah. I introduced himself as Erwin. I said, I got your number from the from uh, Moshe Kindler, who's the editor in chief of the uh, Jersey Jewish link. And through him, I got your number, I got your contact. Uh, I think you're the guy that, that saved my life. Can I, it's a little fuzzy. I only remember waking up in the ambulance. Can you fill in some details? So we conversed a little bit back and forth. I was in New Jersey he was in Florida and I said you know that that is that and he said, my family thanks you and and, and that was all. And-
0: so just to give our readers our, our listeners um, a little more info here. So after you did this great act of stopping your marathon to save a life, uh, the New Jersey Jewish link wrote about sort of a local hero wanted to tell your story. this guy's not Jewish so do we have any idea how a non-Jewish person in Florida got to see a local Jewish story in New Jersey
1: that's a great question (laughs) Uh, I think and that's one of the things I last uh, about two weeks ago speaking to, to Moshe Kindler and he said that was one of the amazing things that he didn't even realize it was sort of at the beginning of the Jewish link and he was sort of surprised that he even reached down to Florida that that some you know some person you know not jewish whose friend and through the internet and and just searching and someone said i think i think this is about you Hmm. and you know this guy erwin his friend i think pointed out to him and then through that those channels he was able to you know figure out a way to get in contact
0: also, by the way, just even, you know, in searching or also social media, the power of social media is that someone who knows someone who knows someone could see something and post someone and the next person sees it. So um, when you think about sort of all the, the stages that have to happen for, you know, someone to um, get to a, a piece of content that it wasn't necessarily intended for them or in their sort of social network, that's pretty interesting. So, okay, so you speak to him a few months later, um, he realizes it's you and then then what happens?
1: really we kind of lost touch he sent me a letter uh thanking me and um that was really nice and then i we moved on i i went i went to israel for my gap year and then i drafted to the army i stayed in israel um and then this past year that's that's when it kind of all changed you know i was in my med school application process and i'm thinking try to think of a story sort of a personal statement to, to write about and i and I'm trying to think of all the things that, you know, all my life experiences. And this is the one that, you know, I, I pointed to that light bulb, like, this is it. This has to be it. It, happened, life. Be right, it had to, happened to be right before Rosh Hashanah. And I said, you know what? I'm in Florida. Let me send him an email. Let me see if I can fish through an email, like my emails and see if I could find the email he sent me. I found it. I said, hi, it's Akiva. I hope you remember me. I uh, hope all is well. I want to just wish you. It's right before the Jewish New Year. I just wanted to hope, you know, wish you and your family well, um, and that's it. And he emailed me back right away saying, "By the way, I I live in South Florida, right near my uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law." He said, "Are you around? I'd love to meet up outside, you know, and talk over for coffee." And we ended up meeting, and he said, "By the way, caveat: I have I have a story to tell you uh, that I've been meaning to, but it." You know, you just reminded me. Uh, so we met up, and this is, you know, sort of the letter that was written in in the link um, that he wrote about about his family from Amsterdam.
0: And what did what did the letter say? Uh,
1: I wish I could quote it by heart. Um, he, you know, what he talked about is his family was from Amsterdam uh, for many many generations. He's only been in South Florida for about twenty years, uh, and he said that when his daughter was uh, in a production um, he and his wife were sitting at production and his uh, one of his other daughters ran up to him and said, dad, you have to come backstage right now. He said, why? He said, dad, you have to come backstage right now. He said, okay, okay. He came backstage and he said, there was an elderly, there was an elderly couple there. And they said, are you, are you Erwin? He said, yeah, I, I am. He said, is your, do you know this name? He said, yeah, that's, that's my grandfather. She said, I hope you know. Um, and Erwin ended up telling me a story that he said there was a family story that during World War II, his grandfather had Jewish neighbors and um, in order to, when the Nazis came in uh, and occupied um, Amsterdam, he said that the family now took in him and his brothers, they took in this Jewish family, one sibling here, one sibling there um, and hid them uh, through the war and, and basically saved their life um and this lady because she saw the family name in the playbill at this production uh ended up fi- saying you know this your grandfather saved my life like i'm the girl that hmm. lived in your grandfather's house hmm. um Irwin's wife w- was was floored and, and made the connection saying look your grandfather did um not just a, a noble deed, but save somebody's life, you know, 60, 70 years ago, and it, it pays back. And, and she doesn't believe in just coincidences and says, you know, good things lead to good things. And
0: So because your grandfather saved a Jewish life 70 years ago, um, you were destined for to have someone Jewish save your life.
1: In essence, that's the, uh, that is what, that is what she believes. And, you know, it'd be hard to think it's just, uh, just, coincidence
0: Did he know you were Jewish that first time that he called you? I guess because of the Jewish link, he he knew that you were Jewish was a story. I think th-
1: then I, I think through this church, he he didn't know, and you know it wasn't to me. It wasn't you know Jewish boy saves life. It was huh it was just an person. article
0: about a person saves life, I mean, so he didn't make the connection thing? then.
1: Uh, yeah, it just says MTA seniors. I don't know why he would have thought okay, it could have been the Jewish link, but I think it was a cool story and you know, someone running huh. for a Jewish, you know, a you know, Jewish organization, but I'm not sure that if he
0: made the, the connection, connection
1: could have been made right away.
0: And his wife, obviously, since she met him, knew the story of the grandparents hiding the Jewish child in their house. That was a known yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, he said that was a fan. That was a story they told at Holiday. And he said, it didn't really, it, not that it didn't mean much. He said it was, a, it was a nice story. They did a nice thing. But I guess it's until, up, until, up until now, it, it didn't have, you know, didn't have that same impact. Um, and, and for me, it, you know, it, it, it's hard just because my family—we don't really have—we didn't really have family in the Holocaust at that, you know, in Europe at that time. A lot of my family was already in America, but you know, I can I can see that now. You know, objectively, that's it's an incredible connection, and you know, I'm happy that that it happened, and I'm happy that you know I was able to to help out and do that.
0: And did he explain how, did they figure out how it was that this woman, what was the woman that was um, saved in the Holocaust? Did she live in Florida as well? Like, how did she her get into production production?
1: Right, her granddaughter, I believe, was in the play also. And for 20 oh, wow. years, they had been going, you know, to different, like, you know, they have been in the area, um, but uh, due to this lady, I guess her husband had, had not been well, so they couldn't really travel anymore. And they were moving, they were moving to Switzerland, and this was the final show. This is the last show that hmm. was being played. So they came to the last show. Now, this man Their Irwin was at this show and they just met backstage on the final show before, you know, who knows? They would have been worlds apart again.
0: Wow. It's really um one of those situations where all the pieces had to fall in place for everybody having to meet and, and connect again. Um and I guess, I mean, I guess we obviously don't know like the, the workings of of why things happen like that. Um I mean, you didn't do this uh, in order to pay something back from another generation. I guess, can you talk a little bit about um, your motivation to, you know, save lives, to, you know, jump into, um, to helping people? There's obviously a Jewish uh, principle, or or mitzvah, actually, al-salamot al-dammariachah, to not stand idly by your neighbor's blood. How do you think that principle was inculcated, you know, in you, um, in your observant upbringing?
1: I think a lot of that, you know, not necessarily but you know, just to, to to always look to, to you know, see where you can be the helping hand. And, and I think a lot of that has to do. Like I learned that from my parents. Um, my parents were always, you know, a helping hand. You know, outreach hand is is you know kind of the, uh, the motto I think outside of the Pudel House is where you can help, we will help. Um, and you know, I may be the only one that went in uh, to you know emergency medical services. Uh, you know, my whole family may have done other things, but you know, seeing my neighbor—I guess my neighbor uh, was on, was an EMT on EVAC—and and then seeing that, and after joining, uh, I found sort of that was sort of my place. I, I felt, and I I really connected to it in a way that, you know, you know, some people connect to, to other forms of uh, charity or or good deeds, and I think continuing to do so, and and you know, it was it was kind of something that was around the clock. It, it wasn't a uh, once a week thing. It was, you know, I'm willing to, to drop whatever I have or whatever's going on at any given moment, every given day, um, you know, at the beckoning call of somebody else when that beeper goes off.
0: Mm. Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from uh, this article being published?
1: A crazy amount. Uh, <laughs> I, I on, Obviously only good and, and you know, in a kind of way, I'm sort of you know bashful about it, you know. Uh, in my, sort of in the back of my mind, there's still a, a percentage of me that says, you know, I'm, I was trained to to do this, and, and I was just, you know, not necessarily in the right place, at the right time, but you know, something like that. Where when things happen mm-hmm. like that, I don't look at it as, uh, obviously not coincidence, but this is what I'm here for. You know, I was trained in order to help, um, and I mm-hmm. like it. So when those opportunities come about, I'm obviously not going to shy away. Uh, but the the outpouring of just amazement and bewilderment of of, of what occurred and, and the connection in the story is has been crazy. My and my parents getting emails from people they haven't spoken to in years, and really how far the story has gotten um, all over. So that that's it's pretty amazing.
0: And hey, because the sort of thing that um, we life kind of beats you down and you see evidence of, you know, bad people getting ahead and, you know, things not making sense. And I think when you um, see the pieces falling into place, um, it's that reminder that maybe everything does have a meaning and have a reason. And um, I think that's what, that's what humans yearn for. Um, So to be able to, you know, um, hear about a story that was verified, you know, um, the Jewish link did call um, Er error. To, to verify this. Do you know if he had any other exposure to Jewish people in his life? Like, I guess, living in South Florida, you kind of can't avoid Jews. Do, you know, did he have any other interactions with Orthodox Jews, or did that come up at all? Or uh,
1: I, don't, I don't think so. I, I think just, you know, the knowledge. You know, he lived in Amsterdam, so there wasn't, like, there weren't no Jews in Amsterdam, so I think, you know, the knowledge of, you know, the Jewish existence and Jewish presence was always there. Um, I'm not sure how much interaction he really
0: had. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is really amazing and um we and you you use this story now for med school your for your application
1: uh partially um par- partially it, it, it was it was very impactful for sure you know before it was you know one of the things that I, i'll give a little snippet what i wrote about is you know up until then i kind of felt that that emergency medicine and even just doing EMT was kind of uh you know transactional uh, you know 45 minutes you're on a call a hospital and you move on to the next one and there really isn't anything lingering or anything that really, you know, in a way that's inspiring because you, it's kind of, you know, routine that you go on so many. Um, but there are a few moments, things like this that that really impact and really, you know, leave that mark and you know remind me why I want to do what I want to do full time and hopefully become a physician.
0: And going to ER medicine, you're thinking that's the direction you want to go in.
1: That's my number. That's that's what I'd love to do. But I guess we'll see. We have a few years.
0: All right, well, um, really amazing story. I mean, I think really um, the Kiddush Hashem starts with um, just Orthodox Jews behaving like we're supposed to, looking to help, looking to be kind, um, stepping up when no one else has. Um, What about that notion of like, I mean, again, I I, I don't want to put yourself uh, too high on a pedestal, but what I guess your average person that just sees an emergency, if they're not trained, they don't really have anything to do, they could call 911. But when you came in there, you were, I guess, the only person that had that sort of training when the person had fallen, do some, maybe some people freeze or?
1: I I think a lot of it has to do with, you're not, I'm not gonna put the blame on other people as much as, I don't think people are exposed to those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, A lot of people I think go into a shock, i you know, okay. don't expect that thing kind of thing to happen on the on, on the daily not expecting right. people you know sort of the drop in the street right so when those things happen um, I, I just think it's it's natural that the people who are exposed to it and trained and and think about it um on, on, you know what am i going to do in this situation um, have have the best responses
0: and so you were in that right place in that right time and stepped up to do the right thing well um Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your story, and I do think there's actually a service. Um, first of all, I think it's extra nice when the person that did something nice doesn't actually want to talk about it because they feel like it takes a little bit away from the good deed that they did. Um, but humility is also a quality. But there's also an importance of sharing inspiration and sharing, you know, doing good things because um, the world needs more good news and more feel good news. So um, thank you so Absolutely. much for. For, uh, for giving that to uh, the Jewish people um, and to really, our, we have readers from all over the world um, and you should have continued Hatzlacha in uh, being in the right place in the right time. Uh, Hashem, giving you the, the strength to do what you need to do um, and continued revealed, revealed blessings.
1: Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate the time and I hope everybody takes out from you know, the story just the best and you know, stay inspired to continue to do good.
0: I mean, And thank you so much for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.